0: a lot of what we've done that's been very useful is tying together and integrating our product data and putting it into the CRM making it available searchable reportable by ourselves and the sales reps some of the sales reps who are more savvy with tools then have figured out how to really utilize this data and it's really fun to have those kind of pioneers because my my mandate to my team is always you know, Look at that pioneering AE and then automate everything that they do and take away what makes them special and give it to everybody else and force them to be special in a different way which we can then copy and replicate. So probably tying together that product data with the lead and contact and sales data is the most impactful thing we've done.
1: This. Is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations? We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network.
2: Welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Hank Taylor, who is the VP of Marketing, also involved in revenue operations and marketing ops for Versal. Hank,
0: welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I, I actually am the VP of Marketing and Revenue Operations.
2: Amazing. So, my first question to you, Hank, is you have like a very like, Illustrious career on the West Coast in revenue slash marketing ops for various different businesses. At which point did you decide that the the ops function supporting
0: revenue was like the thing that you really wanted to do? Actually, very early on. Although, as you pointed out, I bounced around a lot. So, I my my first job in tech was at MySQL, which was the first billion-dollar open source acquisition. I was just an intern, though. I didn't really contribute much, but this was back when lead generation... So, so lead generation from an intern at MySQL was literally me identifying the fastest growing websites at the time, going to the website. Um, I was too squeamish to go to the uh, adult-themed ones. <laughs> uh, so I made a decision as an intern that we're not selling to those. I would scroll to the bottom and there was somebody called a webmaster. And back then, you know, in 2007, 2008, uh, webmasters just put their, their emails and sometimes their phone numbers, something you would never publish on your homepage. I would copy-paste those to a spreadsheet and give that to sales and And that was kind of my first taste. But I, I guess when I really leaned in, I was actually an SDR uh, later on at a company called Pentaho. And uh, I was qualifying uh, a lot of inbound uh, inquiries and trial starts. And the way I rose to the to the top as a performer was not because of particularly good sales skills. It was because I figured out, oh, Instead of storing all my drafts like everybody else does in a Word doc, I can store my, my email templates in this thing called Salesforce. And I can, every time I see a new title come in, I'll write a new draft. And pretty soon I had like 60 templates. And with three clicks, I could send an email fast than anybody else. And it was more personalized than anybody else's emails. So my results were really good. And I realized, okay, I'm probably not going to go into the sales thing. But there's something about this technology and automation and process that's really interesting. And that's when I started leaning in. So my next couple jobs were sales operations after that. So you got the taste for how effective
2: how much more effective a rep can be using Mm -hmm. technology and then you realize that you were good. It impacted your performance as an SDR and then Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, this is the thing for me. Exactly. Amazing. And let's zoom in now to today, if possible. Um, Could you just give us a flavor of the RevOps team like the size and also then the size of the sales or marketing team that you're supporting?
0: Yes. Um... (laughs) The size is interesting because a year ago, it was just me. Uh, we had actually very little um, in terms of everything. Um, since then, I had no headcount. Uh, we had little resources. Uh, buying software was was kind of a, a fight. Um, and we had... <clears throat> um, actually, it was the anniversary this week of our second sales rep after the CRO. So, So we had a team of basically 3 sellers and me supporting them um, in both terms of marketing and rev ops. So we're lean. Since then, we've raised over $140 million. Um, I now have a... uh, On on my revenue operations team, um, we have uh, 6 people um, and headcount for about 5 more. Um, So I am hiring. Uh, if anybody wants to hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, fun fact, I'm linkedin.com slash in slash revenue ops. So easy to find me. Um, and on that on that team, about half of them are dedicated to technology and the platforms. And half of them are dedicated to analysis and process design. Um, and now we're supporting a team Of nine sales reps, also with a lot more headcount, a lot more growth to go. Of course, if
2: uh, we'll also if we have job descriptions, we'll put them below this audio or below this video that you're watching. If you do want to check out the roles, and yes, loving the LinkedIn URL is LinkedIn.com/forward-slash-in/forward-slash-revenue-ops. Hank since you have been growing the team growing the revenue operations team over the past year what do you think has been the most impactful change or
0: initiative the team has made that is that's a, a powerful question um, so in today you know today's trends in marketing are around pqls right product qualified leads um, and this is uh, essentially it's you know behavior scoring models uh, it, it is kind of one way to think about it. If you go into like the language from a decade ago, how they would talk about this. Um, a lot of what we've done that's been very useful is tying together and integrating our our product data and putting it into the CRM, um, making it available, searchable, reportable. Um, by ourselves and the sales reps. Um, some of the sales reps who are more uh, savvy with tools uh, then have figured out how to really utilize this data. And it's really fun to have those kind of pioneers because uh, my, my mandate to my team is always, you know, look, look at that pioneering AE and then automate everything that they do and take away what makes them special and give it to everybody else. And force them to be special in a different way, which we can then copy and replicate. You know, so uh, probably tying together that product data with with the uh, the lead and contact and sales data is the most impactful thing we've done.
2: That is a fascinating way to view uh, like process improvement within sales. <laughs> Find the best performing one, take what they're doing, automate it to give that to, to democratize that excellence
0: it's important to do because um, you know there's often friction between you know sales ops or, or rev ops and and sales when when the revenue operations team wants to prescribe a process um, and data administration without uh, persuading doing it uh, selling the value to the salespeople, right, and and especially in young young organizations, um, where it's kind of the wild wild west, you know one one of my one of my employees has a saying: "No parents, no rules." Uh, <laughs> it's kind of how things are when when you're this small and growing this fast. Um, but uh, if you can if you can get the sales team to say oh, we want that process. We do want you to prescribe the process. Tell us how our peer is succeeding and get that peer as a champion, prop them up, show the rest of the team that, you know, hey, they're winning because of this. Here's like the data to show it. Now here's the technology and process to to help you do the same. You don't have to be a Salesforce wizard or whatever to be successful at sales. Like that's our job to enable you. It's beautiful. Beautiful, and
2: you summed up like a lot of uh, other themes I've had from other guests, but like in a very eloquent way. Amazing, Hank. Thank you for the first half of the interview. We're now going to bring in my
3: wonderful co-host Alex to dig a little bit deeper. Thanks, Tom. Ah, uh, and, and thank you. Thanks, Hank. Um, I think I'm still processing some of that, so I haven't, uh, <laughs> haven't turned it into questions this is quite the way I'd, I'd hope. But fascinated by that that last piece, and just really wanted to dig a bit deeper so it's so helpful to think you know um as you said pr- process um can easily be clunky it can be unwelcome um it can take a while to work even if it's all good and just that that way of saying well let's let's take the process that's already been done even if it's informally and let's just make it into a process and, and particularly to pass on that one, like obviously it helps with the effect of selling it into the team um, but also the confidence that it's going to work, um, and particularly when it comes to driving. Sounds like in, in this case you're, you're driving efficiencies. You know that those reps that are doing really well with the data. We're presumably spending a fair bit of their time in 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 the CRM, getting hands on, figuring out what to do. And so you you weren't just um, adding an extra layer of bureaucracy. You're you're adding you're taking you're making things more efficient and taking time. Is that a fair reflection of how how that that worked?
0: Yeah, and. You know, part of it is recognizing, as well, that, well, hey, not everyone can or wants to do, you know, what what that rep who's excelling is doing, and so finding other ways to get that work done because you still want everyone to have the maximum amount of pipeline, um, and the maximum close rates, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, a, a good example of that might be we recently started. What we're calling the product advocate team—they're essentially technical SDRs um, who can um, sift through a lot of the stuff in Salesforce. I, I, we get—we have a high lead volume. We have, a, we have an open-source product, so there's there's a lot of data, and we can't fairly ask every AE to become an expert on sifting through data. We want them having. Uh, we want ha- them having those persuasive discussions. Like persuasive dialogue is the whole purpose of a sales rep. Um, so that's
3: that's kind of what we optimize for. Great, that's that's really helpful. And then the the other piece that that I was particularly intrigued by is is this idea of getting this this product usage data into Salesforce. And um, seems like a, a big big challenge for lots of people. Um, mm-hmm. In a number of ways, um, sometimes it's not very easy to to. Figure out what what actual usage is. Some products make it easier to know. You know, if you're putting information on a web page, a bit harder to sometimes figure out. You know, you've got a view and a click, maybe. But um, but the other piece is when usage tends to be quite complex because there's so many different things that people are using, how you can put it in in a usable format, particularly if that's trickling down to your frontline salespeople who are presumably going to be slightly less concerned in some of the nitty-gritty. So any, any tips or suggestions of how, how you accomplished that and how you kind of architected that that project? Uh,
0: yeah, the tip is start small. You know, we're still not complete. There's still a lot of types of usage data. Uh, Vercel actually has several... Uh, several different products that you can monetize once you're on a paid account, um, and a ton of other indicating features and actions people can take, um, and activation metrics. So we we focus on the ones that we've intuited are the most impactful, um, the ones where there are limits uh, that we need to be tracking, you know, so that we can quickly identify without help from engineers as much. Um on, oh, this team has an overage on you know their monthly usage, like they're out of compliance. They either need to, so we can reach out. So you either need to reduce or let's get you on an enterprise plan and get you support, whatever. So start small, do one thing at a time, do get it, get it right, get the feedback, make the changes. That that's my advice
3: there. Great, thanks. And the other thing would be, um, so I, I yeah, in, in the case of an open source and project where, you know, some of it, again, you said, you know, going product led, um, obviously the importance of usage in the, in the sales process is, is relatively obvious. What, what, what do you sort of oversee in terms of the customer, you know, success side? And, and have you been, have you got any eyes on sort of retention and, and growth once you've, you've kind of really rooted into an account? using those metrics?
0: Yes. Um, Our customer success side is really good. I have had the fortune of having a wonderful head of customer success here at the company um, who is pretty savvy. And because of my uh, low headcount, I haven't been able to support him too much. Um, He, of course, wants a lot more support, uh, but he's done pretty well on his own. Um, And we've done a lot together to to get our data together, you know, we we migrated a lot of this data into uh, Salesforce Service Cloud. And you know, now we have a more unified CRM and and uh, customer support data. We're also trying out some other tools, but um with with the uh data available to them, what's interesting is his team's a technical team. They're engineers, they have to be customer support engineers. So they can use a lot of the uh, more direct paths to discovering data, um, which has actually given my team clues on, oh, maybe we should get that data in the CRM for the salespeople to see, so that it's not just the CSMs and CSEs bringing that over to the salespeople. And that's helped a little bit. Um, I don't know how well I answered your question
3: there, but no, I think that was that was good. It's, it's also you know, obviously every every business is, is going to be you know unique and specific. And I'm just thinking. Um, in a lot of lot of cases, usage data is more, is predominantly a, a CS metric other than everything else. And, and obviously, in your case, it's, it's not as valuable the whole way through. But in a lot of it, and I was I was just trying to think about that that list that avenue for listeners that are working in businesses where they're not you know sign up for a yeah. demo, open source, product led in the same way.
0: Let, let me address that because Vercel's interesting because we have an open source product called Next.js yes. that's totally free. That's a coding framework. You write your website in that. Then we have Vercel, and Vercel is is how you take code like Next.js and publish it to the internet and collaborate with it, um, collaborate on it with your teammates. Um, So Vercel has a freemium version too, so we have two free products now. We have a self serve version um, on our Pro plan, and then we have the Enterprise version. So with the free and self serve versions, we get a lot of. That that's where the usage data is very interesting, even beyond the trial. Even for customers who've been with us a year, if suddenly a startup has a massive spike in in traffic um, and they're adding tons of team seats, you know, maybe they're like us where we were humming along low resources and now we have resources and growth and attention and we're grabbing it. That's when it's like, oh, okay, let's let's talk to them. Let's figure out if we can help help right size them on plan and make sure they're successful. Hope
3: that adds more power. Yeah, no, no, they're, they're really, really helpful. I um, I, th- I think it's just obviously key data and, it, and it's, it's, it's often just hard to figure out how to get hold of in a meaningful way. And so really helpful to understand some of the ways you and the team have been have been doing that across the, the whole go-to-market teams and to really help them make the most of, of that. Mm. Particularly, particularly critical for anything where, where you, when you need to lead product-led, um, which, which goes along a number of lines. So thanks, that was...
0: And- Interestingly, I, I, also for ABM, which in some ways is the opposite of, you know, PLG, the the account based stuff. Another thing that's you know been around forever, but now it's got a fancy acronym. And but uh, there are ways to go out in the world and figure out who's using your free products, who's using your open source stuff, and how can we help them? How like why aren't we getting them as customers, and how can we target
3: them? So. There's some interesting stuff there too. Oh, yeah, yeah, fascinating. Thank you very much. Um, I think it's time to bring Tom back. Amazing.
2: Thank you, Hank. I have the final and most important question of the interview. Who in the world of revenue or marketing ops would you most like to take for lunch?
0: You know, someone that I did take for dinner a few years ago and really gave me great advice was Michael Schiff, who did a lot of this type of stuff at MySQL. Um, years and years ago. And then later at Heroku. Um, So he's a wonderful guy. I'd I'd say him.
2: Shout out to Michael. Hank, thank you so much. It's been pretty eye-opening to see the RevOps slash marketing ops process at a company with such a large volume, I guess, of PQLs. I love the insight about stalking almost what the best rep is doing. Automating and then democratizing. I think that's an awesome insight. Um, and I'm sure it's going to add value to the listeners. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Tom and Alex.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at TomHunt at Ebster.com. That's TomHunt at Ebster.com.